So welcome to Metro Believers Church, as Vicki was saying earlier. Um, this particular vacation we took was different in that we were able to drive and take our dogs and play on the beach together with our kids. Um, so it was a great time away, but a great time to be back. I want to welcome the live stream audience once again. If you don't have one of our outlines, slip up your hands and our ushers will get you one. Um, these are, if you're new to Metro Believers Church, we're just glad you're here as well. Um, these are just outlines of my notes. We call them MBC notes, and uh, they help you just keep track of some of the things that I talk about so you can not just, you know, take it in here, but actually go home and think about it, perhaps pray about it, and uh, apply it to your personal lives. It's always better to write something down than it is to just hear it, okay? You'll, the recall is like percentage-wise just amazing. So, uh, like Matt Lance said earlier, this year is rekindle the fire. Um, when I was praying about it this fall and thinking about that whole, this whole idea for the theme for this year, there was about 20 different things that kept popping into my heart, and by the end of the year, I felt like the Holy Spirit wove all of that together in the concept of rekindling the fire. And so, once again, you'll be hearing about that throughout the year as we talk about it. And we're trusting God in our lives, all of us, including me, um, to rekindle that fire in our heart. And not just for the Lord, obviously that's priority, but for life in general, for rekindling the fire for our relationships and rekindling the fire for um, even our church, rekindling the fire for our spouse if we're married or um, our relationships or you know, are serving, rekindling that fire perhaps that once burned bright inside of us that maybe has gone out. And so that's the theme for the year, and we're trusting the Lord for that. But also we've been talking about the rhythm of life during the last several weeks. We've been talking about the rhythm of life, and the concept is simply this. Um, we're setting the tempo of our daily routine so that our life has the rhythm. Everyone say rhythm the rhythm of God. How many of you want that? Just sort of walking through our priorities of what's important in life. And as I was thinking about this series, I was thinking, what, we're rekindling the fire, what are some of the things that need to be in place? What are the building blocks, if you will, that need to be in place for our lives to sort of be in rhythm, be in sync, be, be in tempo? And so, so far we've talked about the rhythm of gratitude, just the whole developing an attitude of gratitude concept. We've talked about the, the rhythm of renewal, of just starting our day out right and making sure that we're spending time with the Lord and we're refreshed and renewed. We've talked about, you know, the whole idea of the rhythm of responsibility, of taking responsibility for our, our attitudes. How many of you think that's important? Our schedule and the whole idea of our, our decisions, that we wouldn't blame other people for our decisions. And the last time we were together is we talked about the, actually the, the rhythm of generosity. Now, if you weren't here, uh, I just encourage you to get those tapes or perhaps just go online and listen to those as well. I think they'll help you. Today, I want to talk about a very important part of our daily lives, and that is simply the rhythm of forgiveness. I want to say forgiveness. Now, this particular area is one of those areas that affect every single one of us here in this room. Every day, we all have a choice to make. Every day, we have a choice to either forgive people that 
hurt us or, you know, or offend us or to let go of that and forgive them. And you've heard me say this before, every single one of us make mistakes. How many of you know what I'm talking about? We all do things and say things um, or have had things happen to us, you know, in our lives. And here's what I found out. There in your notes, we tend to look at our mistakes through a telescope and others' mistakes through a microscope. See, we, we, tend to, we tend to exaggerate everyone else's mistakes, but we, t- we tend to minimize our own mistakes. People, people make mistakes. They say and th- do things that, that will hurt us. Sometimes it's intentional, and most of the time, from what I found out, it's not. It's a misunderstanding or stresses in their own life or things that they're going through and they lash out at us. When they do, we have a choice to make. We can hold on to that and get bitter, or we can actually let it go, right? And so anytime we choose to hold a grudge and walk in unforgiveness, it will literally drive a wedge, drive a wedge in our relationships. We tend to judge ourselves by our intentions, but we judge others by their actions. And so Every single one of us have to make a decision here. We can, we can be, you know, offendable or we can learn to be unoffendable. Everyone say unoffendable. <laughs> or, or we can choose to not take offense when people say or do things that hurt us. And um, one great author of our time has been John Bevere. Great speaker, great author. How many of you ever heard of John Bevere? Just a phenomenal communicator. Um, Vicki and I had dinner with he and his wife years ago um, in Colorado Springs and got a chance to meet them and visit with them and d- develop a small relationship back, at the, back in the time. But one of the books that has impacted my life that, that I just want to encourage you um, to perhaps think about reading is called The Bait of Satan. The Bait of Satan. And John talks about the idea of the enemy wants to set you and I up. He wants, to, he wants to bait us, if you will, with things that will affect our lives and sour us internally. And this past uh, couple of weeks, uh, Vicki and I some, spent some time on the beach, and, and I decided to go beach fishing. <laughs> so, you know, I bought some shrimp. actually didn't take my pole, so I had to buy a pole. And I got all my stuff together, which was nothing because I didn't bring anything. Um, so I had to buy a few things, you know. And um, I went out on the beach and, and I baited the hook. Everyone say baited the hook. I baited the hook. And, and I threw it out. And guess what happened? Nothing, exactly. <laughs> I spent a couple of days fishing with shrimp on my hooks. And, uh, and they, guess what? They didn't take the bait. The fish, the fish were out there because some other people were catching them. As a matter of fact, actually probably, what, uh, 10 yards, 15 yards from where we were fishing, somebody caught a seven-foot shark. Yeah. How many of you know I didn't want to catch that? <laughs> Think about that for just a minute. A seven-foot shark. 
Nikki and I came down to the beach just as they were releasing it, and we just got to see, you know, it go back into the water and its fin, you know, jaws, sort of, you know, wade over. And, you know, so here's a couple of pictures of me out there fishing with bait and the fish not biting my bait. So here's the deal. I want to encourage you to be as smart as a fish sometimes, and don't take the bait. Don't take the bait. And here's another photo of me and my dogs fishing. Once again, you can see I'm sitting there doing nothing because they didn't take what? The bait. The bait. So here's a copy of that book if you want to write it down, um, the cover, the, the Bait of Satan by John Bevere. encourage you to maybe go on Amazon or wherever and buy that book. But here's what I want to talk about today. Forgiveness should be at the very heart of the Christian walk. How many of you believe that? It's easy to talk about, but it's harder. Everyone say harder. Harder. It's harder to do, for real. We have no problem with the concept, right? And and we, you know, every one of us to a person would agree that, that this whole forgiveness piece is a very, very important part of our lives. As someone once said, he who refuses to forgive others burns down the very bridge he himself must walk over someday. Think about that for just a minute. Every one of us, every one of us will need forgiveness in our lives in the future. So don't burn the bridge down by not extending forgiveness to others. Some people see forgiveness as, you know, a weakness sometimes, you know, for sissies and wimps. But the fact is, forgiveness is one of the strongest, strongest things that someone can do. As a matter of fact, it's easy, it's easy, everyone say easy. It's easy to walk in unforgiveness. It really is. It's easy to walk in unforgiveness, but it's hard to let people off the hook when they've hurt you. It's hard to let people off the hook, once again the bait, let people off the hook when they've offended us. So here's the deal. I want you to understand something. We are able to forgive people not because we are sissies or wimps or weak, you know, spineless, and the only thing we can do is let people walk all over us. We are able to forgive because the greater one lives on the inside of us. Therefore, we can afford it. Everyone say, I can afford it. We've been forgiven much, right? That's why we need to be forgiving. In the Bible, uh, Jesus, there's two, two different people that, that exemplify this whole idea. Jesus was hanging on the cross, and he, he looked down at those that were crucifying him, and he said, Father, do what? Forgive them, for they know not what they do. And we think, golly, that's wonderful. But that was Jesus. <laughs> of course he would do that, Right? But there was another guy by the name of Stephen in the book of Acts, and he was being stoned. Now, I'm not talking about smoking dope. <laughs> he was being stoned. <laughs> and, and he was, you know, he was, he was being beaten and stoned, and, and he said, Father, forgive them. Don't lay this charge to their account. Now, here, here's, here's the idea, is I believe that Jesus... And Stephen 
sort of laid the groundwork for us to be able to forgive as well. And Stephen was willing to forgive this guy by the name of Saul, who was sort of the encourager, the one that incited the riot. He was able to forgive that guy named Saul for his death as he was, as he was being stoned. And I believe this with all of my heart. I've studied this out for years and years and years. I believe that, that Stephen's decision and Stephen's forgiveness of Saul opened up the door for God to mess with him on the road to Damascus. Did you hear me? I believe it. Because not long after we find that God visits this guy by the name of Saul, who was persecuting the church, and has a little talk, and Saul repents and becomes one of the greatest apostles of all time. As a matter of fact, wrote two-thirds of the epistles of the New Testament. Amazing, amazing thing. And I think it all started back when, when, when Stephen decided to forgive him for what he was doing. Now, I believe this to be true in our own lives. I believe that, <clears throat> that, that forgiveness opens up the door for God to mess with people. I saw this in a case with my biological father, and many of you have heard this story, is my biological father left us when we were young, like I was three and my brother was four and a half. My brother got so bitter about it that when he turned 18, he changed his name so it wouldn't reflect that my dad was our biological father any longer. And he let this wedge of bitterness, and he had good reason to, to build up between him and my father for many, many years. And I had forgiven him and, and was developing a great relationship with him, but he hadn't. And one day, he and I were together, and I said, Alan, when are you going to forgive Dad? It was a long time ago, and you're holding on to that unforgiveness and bitterness towards him. I said, who knows? You may be the very person that God uses to lead him to the Lord. Well, he thought about that for a few years and decided to forgive my dad. He started to build a relationship. And about two or three years later into that relationship, my dad went to visit him, and my brother was able to lead him to Christ. And he's in heaven today because, see, God was able to work on his heart through that forgiveness. How many people are in our life that we need to forgive so God can mess with? See, acts of forgiveness, here's what I believe. Release the offender towards repentance. Acts of forgiveness releases the offender for repentance. Forgiveness releases the power of life. Unforgiveness releases the power of death. And you you don't want to have death working overtime in your life. Forgiveness is more for you than it is for the other. Did you know that? Forgiveness is more for you. It's more beneficial for you than actually it is to that other person. Because they go on with life, even though you're unforgiving. They go on with life often. And we sit there in this stew of unforgiveness and bitterness and resentment. Someone once said that unforgiveness 
is like drinking poison and expecting someone else to die. See, unforgiveness is a poison. It's a poison. It'll poison your life. It'll, it'll make you bitter and ugly and resentful. It, it'll sour your life. It'll, it'll cause death to come as a result of it. And that death won't be for others. It'll be towards you. So forgiveness is more for you than others. I want to talk about real quick three things that, that, that are important for us to remember about forgiveness. And some of you have heard me talk about some of this stuff. I mean, we know that it's important for us to review and think about things, even though we've heard them before. Because sometimes things stack up and things, you know, get ugly in our lives because we've let things stack up. Three things there in your notes, if you're taking notes. First of all, first of all unforgiveness blocks the promises of God and it sabotages our prayer life. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't need any more problems in my prayer life. <laughs> I mean, for real. I, I, don't, I don't need anything, you know, negative, negatively affecting my prayer life. The Bible tells us in Mark eleven twenty three through 26, if you have your Bibles, you can turn there, or your tablets or your smartphones. But this is a great section of Scripture that validates what I'm talking about. Mark eleven twenty three, I tell you the truth, if anyone says to this mountain, go and throw yourself into the sea and doesn't doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says will come to pass, it'll happen. It'll be done for him. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. It would be awesome if it just ended right there, but it doesn't. Check this out. Verse 25 says, and when you stand praying, underline that word, praying. When you stand praying, so what is the topic here? Prayer. Okay, we're talking about praying. And when you stand praying, if you hold what? Anything against who? Who does, who does that include? Everyone. If you have anything against anyone, do what? Forgive, so that your Father in heaven may forgive you. Notice, notice the connection. Notice how prayer and forgiveness are linked. Forgiveness keeps the channels to God open so that nothing hinders our prayer life. Nothing can stand in the way. Nothing gets in the way. Forgiveness opens up that channel. It opens up that that flow, everyone say flow, opens up that flow between us and God. It restores our innocence, see. Rather than getting, you know, more scarred and more bitter, it restores our in innocence. Anytime we, we choose to forgive, it opens up that flow. It opens up that channel between us and God. Second, it God can only forgive us as we are willing to forgive others. That's the Bible, folks. You can argue with it all you want, but that's what the Bible says. God can only forgive you as. Everyone say as. That's a big word for two letters. As we are willing to forgive others. 
See, in order to be forgiven, we must, we must forgive. Here's, here's the deal. Forgiven people ought to be forgiving. Forgiven people. How many of you are forgiven? Let me see your hands. Then we ought to be forgiving. Forgiving. In other words, give forgiveness. In the Lord's Prayer, it says it. Forgive us our what? Debts or trespasses, depending on what translation you have been reading. As we forgive those who trespass against us or our debt, debtors, right? Number three, it's extremely distasteful to God when we are unwilling to forgive. As a matter of fact, it kind of ticks him off. There's not a lot of things that tick God off, but this whole idea of unforgiveness is one of those. God, God actually wanted to put it in Scripture so we would all understand how important it is. And here's a story in the Bible. I, I'm going to take a few minutes here to read this, a little longer text. So you have, you have some time to open up your Bibles or your app and go to this text. Or, I mean, you have your notes right there as well. But it's good for you to know your Bible too. Matthew chapter 18, verse 21, says this. Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother when he sins against me? The idea here was in a day, okay? That's what most scholars believe he was talking about. How, how many times should someone each day offend me or sin against me and I forgive him? Then he says, then he decides, you know, I'm going to get real generous here. I'm going I'm to impress the Lord, right? <laughs> he says, up to seven times, Right? And Jesus answered and, and said, not seven times, but 77 times. That's the 490 principle, 490, okay? You may have heard songs or messages, sermons preached on this, the 490 principle. What was he saying? On the 491st time, you can whack them, <laughs> whack them all. <laughs> No. Then he goes into this whole idea of this parable, this, this story that helps us gather information and understand it better. He says, therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle his accounts with his servants. And as he began to settle his, um, as he began to settle, a man owed him 10,000 talents. Now, years ago, I did a study on what that would equal today and it came out to $1.6 billion. Everyone said that's a lot of money. Uh, $1.6 billion. I, I have not done the currency exchange today. I, I'm sure it's many, many, many billion. But, but $1.6 billion is what this guy owed him. And that guy was brought unto him. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold until he repaid that debt. The servant fell on his knees before him and said, be patient with me, beg, and I'll pay you back everything. The servant's master took pity on him and canceled the debt and let him go. How many think that's pretty cool? I mean, can you imagine someone owing you $1.6 billion even today? And you just deciding because he, you know, begged for mercy, you wiped it away? But when that servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him 100 denarii. Now, the equivalent to that amount of money, back when I did the, the study, 
It was $1,246. Everyone say chump change. And so he grabbed, he grabbed him and he began to choke him. And he said, pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servant kind of did the same thing he did. Fell on his knees and he begged him, be patient with me and I'll pay you back. But he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay his debt. When the other servants saw what had happened, they were greatly distressed, rightly so, and went and told their, their master everything that had happened. And then the master called in the servant. He said, you wicked servant. I canceled all that debt, your $1.6 billion debt, because you begged me. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? I mean, think he should have. In anger, his master turned him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all that he owed. This, this is the clincher. This is how your heavenly father will treat each one of you and underline or circle that next word, unless you forgive your brother from your heart. Wow. And it's a story that helps us grasp the idea and the importance of forgiving people who offend us or hurt us. Notice how important it is to live a life of forgiveness. Let's talk about how to do this for just a few minutes here. First of all, how do we forgive people? How do we, how do we let it go? How do we deal with those emotions internally when something happens and people say or do things that really hurt? Or, or, or better yet, how about when we hurt others too? How do we deal with that? Let's talk about that. First of all, realize that forgiveness is an act of the will. It's a choice, not a feeling. It's a choice that we make to either forgive or to hold on to it and to let it fester into, you know, this, this horrible-looking cyst, if you will, fester into an infection, and it causes our whole body to be affected as a result of it. But it's a choice. Everyone say a choice. It's a choice. It's not a feeling. It's not, it's not something you feel. It's something you decide. Did you hear me? It's something you decide to do because it's an act of your will. See, when you choose to, to walk out the will of God and our will in alignment with Him, your, your emotions will eventually follow. So it's an act of your will. It's a choice, not a feeling. Deuteronomy 30, verse 19 says that we make the choice of life or death, blessing or cursing. Choose life, the Bible says. See, all of us are free moral agents in this room. We, we have a right to choose. We're not robots. And we have a choice to make. Whatever you decide to do is your choice. Don't blame God for the issues that you're facing or dealing with. If you choose to walk in unforgiveness, that's your choice. He won't make you forgive. He'll try to instruct you of how to forgive, try to help you see the importance of forgiveness. Amen? But you still have a right to choose. And my, my challenge to us today is choose forgiveness over resentment 
over bitterness, over revenge, over retaliation. Choose God's way. Forgiveness may be hard, as I posted on Facebook yesterday. Forgiveness may be hard, but it's the only way to walk in the footsteps of Jesus. It's the only way. And you've heard me say this before. Build your life on principles, what? Not emotion. See, principles never change. Your emotions can be up or down, over and out. Your emotions, using the example of a lighthouse in the sea, your emotions are kind of like the waves of the sea. They're changing constantly. Nick and I sat and watched for hours. The waves come in and go out. They changed constantly. But principles are like a lighthouse on the shoreline that never moves, see? So build your life on principles of Scripture, not on the way you feel. Not on the way you feel. Live it in every dimension of your life. Second, put your, this is how you do it, put your, your will, remember you have a free will, put your will, decide to put your will in agreement with God's will. Right? If you dedicated, your Lord to the, to, dedicated yourself to the Lord, then it's not about what you want. It's about what God wants. Did you hear me? It's about what God wants. And Jesus, the Son of the living God, God in the flesh, prayed this very prayer in Luke 22. He said, Father, not my will, but your will be done. He was facing the cross. He said, I'm not really excited about this, but not my will, but your will be done. So put your... Put your will in agreement with God's will. You may not feel like it, but if you choose to put your will in agreement with God's, then you'll be amazed at what he'll do. See, God's will is for us to be a a conduit, if you will, of love and forgiveness. For that forgiveness to flow out to others so God has a right to get involved and mess with them. Number three, Ask God to show you how he sees the offender, how he sees the person that did or said things that hurt you, how he sees them. See, God loves people. Everyone say people. Both the offended and the offender. Sometimes we think God only loves me. (laughs) But that turkey over there, (laughs) he doesn't like him so much because of what he did to me. No, God loves people in general. He loves both of us, right? And it's only through his heart of love and compassion that we're able to forgive those who have wounded us. As we see, as we choose to see, as we ask God to show us how he sees them. Amen? Number four, remember your $1.6 billion debt. You are no, no angel. Remember your $1.6 billion debt. See, the story that we read, the $1.6 billion debt was between us and God. And the $1,246 debt was between us and others. So when you remember how much God has forgiven you, 
it's a little bit easier to forgive those who have hurt us. Jesus said, let him who is without sin, let him cast the first stone. Number five, give up the right to punish the person. Give up the right to punish the people who hurt you. See, forgiveness means this. Catch this. To pass over an offense and free the offender from the punishment deserved. You have a choice. You can hold it or you can free them. The Greek word actually for forgiveness is aphahemi. And it literally means, the Greek word literally means to send away as a missile. Notice the tension. Notice the tension there. Notice the intensity. It means basically taking that offense and hurling it away from you. You've got to throw it away from yourself. You've got to get serious and intentional about this stuff called unforgiveness and decide in your heart, no, I'm not going to live this way. I'm not going to allow what they did ruin my life. I'm not going to drink the poison. I'm not going to take the bait. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to fall for it. You have to actively and aggressively throw it off of you. Listen, it may be like a boomerang. It may come back. Keep throwing it off. Keep throwing it off. Keep throwing it off. I'm not suggesting that God gives you some sort of spiritual amnesia when you just decide to forgive them. No, it'll keep coming back, keep coming back. Satan will keep throwing the fishing pole out with a hook on it and some bait, seeing if you'll take the bait this time. Keep throwing it back. Amen? See, true forgiveness simply means I will not use this against you in the future. I will not talk to others about this. I'm not going to gossip and tell everyone else about what somebody else did. And I'll not lock you into your past. It's true forgiveness. You just decide to do that, and when you're tempted to do that, you just decide, no, I've forgiven that person. No, I have forgiven that person. How many of you know you got to talk to yourself? Nobody? You have to talk to yourself. No, I'm not going to do that. No, I know it feels like I should do that. I feel like I should get even. I feel like I should tell everybody. I feel like I should prove my point. I feel like I should justify myself. I feel like I should. You have to make a choice, once again, to release that. Number six, choose to remember the offense no more. Like I said, you don't get this amnesia thing going on, but you have to choose, you know what, I'm not going to dwell on this. I'm not going to dwell on it. I'm not going to replay it over and over and over and over and over in my mind. Because how many know every time you do it over, it gets worse? You add something to it. Yeah. 
Number seven, we need to bless the person that we have forgiven. It's how you deal with unforgiveness. I'm not saying you have to reestablish a relationship if you've been abused, but you can pray. See, the word bless means to invoke God's divine favor, to ask God to help them, pray for them, ask God to move in their lives, ask God to be involved with them, ask God to help them, to try and do your best to bless their lives through prayer, and even kindness. In some instances, you can be kind to the other person who has done things that have hurt you. Choose to keep your heart right. Did you hear me? Choose to keep your heart right. The Bible says as far as it lies within you, live at peace with everyone. What does that say? That means that some people won't live at peace with you. Does that give us the right to not live at peace with them? You have to let that go and leave that in God's hands. Now, in your notes, I've included how to grant and receive forgiveness, some basic principles of how to do that. I'm not going to go over that today. But as we close today, I just want to remind you that in life, in general, if we say, learn to say, I'm sorry, worship team can come, yeah. I'm sorry, I was wrong, please forgive me. Our relationships continue to grow, even in marriage. When, when I am able to say, I'm sorry, I was wrong, please forgive me, our relationship can stay tight. When we don't, our relationship begins to die. God wants our relationships to thrive. Amen? The whole Bible is about relationships, our relationship with him and our relationship with each other. He wants our relationships to thrive. And so you have to decide ahead of time, when I'm offended, I choose to forgive. I choose to forgive. And as I said before, in every relationship, you'll have an opportunity to get offended. Amen? Let's stand to our feet. I know forgiveness is hard. Trust me. I know. But living with the consequences of unforgiveness is harder. Did you hear me? Remember the story. You don't want to be turned over to the jailers. In other words, you don't want these issues building up in your life and it messing with you and destroying your life because you are holding on to bitterness. They did this to me. I'm not going to let it go. No, don't do that. Let's bow our heads. Father, thank you for your word. Your word, it, it lightens our path. Shows us the way to walk in so we can live this thing called an abundant life. 
we choose to do our own thing, it doesn't work the way you want it to. God, I pray for a spirit of repentance to fall on this audience, this church, those that are watching by live stream. Just a spirit of repentance. If you're here today and you just say, you know what, I, there's some people that I need to forgive. There's some things going on inside me that I'm holding on to. And I, I'm convinced this morning that, that I, it's hurting me. It's messing with me. It's affecting me. And I just need to let it go. And I need to choose to forgive. And I'm going to ask you to pray for me. If that's you, would you lift up your hand? God bless you all over. Thank you so much. God bless you. Now think about that person or persons. Just sort of imagine them in the, make a little cup like this in, in your hand. Sort of imagine them in, in, that, in your hand, whoever they are. Could be a bunch. And decide that, that in, in just a minute, you're going to throw that up to the Lord and release them from the punishment that they deserve. It's an act of your will. You decide to do this. You may not feel like it, but you're saying, you know what, I'm going to choose to do this and trust God. So I'm going to release that person from the punishment deserved. And I, I realize I've got a $1.6 billion debt. I know they owe me. It's not quite that much. So I can afford, I can afford to let them go and not try to make their life miserable, not try to get even, not try to rub their face in it. So in just a moment, we're going to release them. And when you do that, I just want you to say from your heart, I forgive. I forgive them. I forgive them. So at the count of three, I'm going to ask you to throw them up. Release. And just keep your hands up to the Lord and say, I forgive them. Are you ready? Are you ready? On the count of three. One, two, three. I forgive them. Come on. Let's do that. Father, I pray for every single person that held up their hand and said, I've got some people in my life that I need to forgive. Maybe it's you. That you know you've done something to offend somebody else and you need to take responsibility for it to ask them to forgive you. God, I pray that you would move in our lives. Let the power of forgiveness flow in this church. Power to be released in our life as we walk in that rhythm of life. Let's just worship for a couple minutes here, and the pastoral team is on both sides of the auditorium. If you would like prayer of agreement, somebody to pray with you, they're available.
Amen? See, we, we choose, I have to choose to let the Holy Spirit just have his way. And sometimes I, I, I think I'm going to go this way and I feel like the Holy Spirit turns me that way. So is that okay? Did I just do that? All right. So um, let's just lift our hands for the benediction. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace.